Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. And today we have Caroline Williams-Allen back with us to hear the second part of her adventures on the continent of Africa. We're really excited to continue hearing her experience, so let's start now. HopeCast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Welcome to the Education Was Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco. And I am Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I am the co-founder of Education Was Hope and the director of the program here in Ecuador. And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equal Sage in Ecuador as well. Education Was Hope exists to provide for the education of students in desperate and difficult situations. And our goal for this podcast is to keep you, our dear listeners, supporters, and friends all over the world informed as to what is happening with our ministry here in Ecuador and in other parts of the world. Other parts of the world. Yay! Because Yay! we still can't do any of it without you. And today we have Caroline Allen back again. Hi! Yay! Hi! Back for part two of her adventures with Equals H to the fair continent of Africa. And we have two more countries to, um, to talk about. If you haven't heard her part one, um, that kind of gives the layout and the context of why Caroline <laughs> was on a plane and found herself in Africa for three weeks this last October. Go ahead and just hit pause and go back to that previous episode and um, catch up, and then you'll be ready for this next part of the conversation. So welcome back, Caroline. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Glad I, to be here. I like your stripes. Oh, yeah. You know, if you if you know me, you know I'm often wearing stripes. <laughs> I didn't. You didn't tell me I didn't wear stripes today. <laughs> I feel sad. Okay, when we left off, you had just finished um, uh, seeing six of the ministry sites in the fair country of Kenya mm -hmm. under Bishop Ben. Mm -hmm. So then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that was really, I'm, I'm going to just rewind very slightly. It was fun to be in Kenya with Ben because Ben did come here to Ecuador mm -hmm. earlier that year and it kind of felt like we were on like a student exchange program. You know, like he got to come here and I got to go there and I think... I just say that because I think one of the cool things and one of the reasons why we went as well is because I feel like in Ecuador, we have a lot to learn with how Equals H operates in Africa mm -hmm. and the same for them, right? So Ben came here to learn and I went there to learn and just... And I just loved how many times together. Ben, Bishop Ben, when he was here, he's like, this reminds me so much of Africa. Yeah. There's so many things that remind me of Africa. And it's on uh, on my my hope wish my dream list to get to go to the continent of Africa at some point. Any country would do, but it would be great to go to Kenya and see Bishop Ben. Um, but it was just really fun to think that maybe we're we're closer and more connected than I have any idea because I've never been. Yeah, and I think you know we spend a lot of time talking about culture, as at least Cameron and I, people living in cultures that are not our our own. Um, and a lot of the culture, you know, it's a different culture for sure mm -hmm. in Africa than it is in Ecuador. But some of the things were the same. Like, and I could see what Ben was talking about. Like, people are more important than being on time and just little things like that. But mm -hmm. there were definitely some some common threads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So after Kenya. Okay. After Kenya. <laughs> thanks. Um, after Kenya, we went to Rwanda. Um, which was, I mean, they were all so incredible and all so different. Um, Kenya was, I, like I said last time, a little bit kind of fast and furious because we wanted to see everybody, and we have so many fun partners there. 
Um, and then in Rwanda and Uganda, we just spent time with one site each. And so we got to go a little bit deeper, which was, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Um, so in Rwanda, there's a school called the Blessing School for the Blind and Visually Impaired, mm-hmm. um, BSVI for short. And um, the leader of that school, Bosco or John Bosco, um, the school began because he and his wife, um, once upon a time, a few years ago, were pregnant with triplets. And um, unfortunately, only one of the triplets survived, and she was born visually impaired. Um, her name is Hannah Blessing, and so that's why it's called the Blessing mm-hmm. School for the Visually Impaired. Um, and so, he, it, I mean, as you can imagine, that would totally change your life, but it really totally changed his life because not only did he say, okay, this is my family, it's now expanded on beyond to over 30 students. And so mm-hmm. he's using the life experience that God gave him to, to help. So was it, did he set out to do a school or did he set out to find education for his daughter? And then it was like, Oh, well, I definitely should help this person too. And this person, and all of a sudden they find themselves with 35 students and a lot of support. I mean, there are a lot of wonderful people who've come along, um, alongside them. And, um, I know that they're in the process of building a second Mm -hmm. campus. Mm Um, yeah, I think, I don't know exactly the story, but he met Michelle, Dudley at some mm-hmm. point. And Hi, Michelle, she, if you're listening. Hi. And she asked him, like, what would be your dream? And he said to be able to give a school an education to people like Hannah. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a dream, and now it's a reality. That's just the power of dreams yeah. and yeah. wishes. Don't give them up. Don't give them to the <laughs> evil prince who, if anyone's seen the movie Wish, that's what, <laughs> where Heath and I went together the other day with the kids. Aww. And, that, and that's what the whole storyline was about is holding on to your dreams uh, so that you can make them come true and don't give them away. Well, Bosco could (laughs) could be featured. (laughs) Maybe that was Bosco. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we so we got to Rwanda and well, first of all, I have to shout out Ezekias, who was an who was an equals age intern once upon a time in the summer. 2017. He's also a Suwannee grad. Well, he came on a team in 2017. He was an intern in 2018. And he came on a team twice. So I guess seven. Anyway, he so he is Rwandan. He is Rwandan. And he Hi, went to, to Swanee. And he met us at the airport because now he's living um, back in his country. And he's helping other high school students get to go to college in other countries just like he did. And so that was really cool. So quick little shout out. He met us at the airport. And then we drove. Um, two, three hours to, to where the school is, um, which just so also happens to be where all the gorillas are. So if mm-hmm. you've heard anything about Rwanda. Like physical ape gorillas. Yeah, okay. like Thank wild you. gorillas. We are in Latin America, <laughs> and there have been some concepts of gorilla warfare. I'm just making oh. sure. Like, oh, no. really? like, <laughs> like chest beating <laughs> gorillas. Just context is important. G-O. G-O. Gorillas. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like... Maybe if you've heard about Rwanda, you've probably heard about Rwanda, either because of the genocide or because that's where you can go see gorillas. Those are kind of the two reasons. So we were in that town. Wow. Um, and Bosco, again, has a, a good idea or two, and he's building this second campus of light, is what they call it, on the road that leads out to the preserve where you can see all the gorillas. So mm-hmm. everyone who goes to see the gorillas will pass by their campus Mm. Yeah. That's prime 
Prime pretty smart. Right pretty there. smart. <laughs> I wonder what he'll do with that. I'm sure. We'll, yeah. we'll have to wait and see, but and, I'm sure it'll be something. And he picked it because that road had uh, water and electricity already running out for that reason. So, mm. yeah, Bosco, he's he's a really smart guy, and he's a fun guy too. So we if we get to the school, we pull up, and all thirty, I want to say thirty five of the students are out singing, welcoming us to BSVI, and. I didn't re- I didn't really think about this before, but I've never really spent a lot of time with someone who is either blind or visually impaired. Um, mm-hmm. And I just loved it. I loved the students. I loved how they move around the world. Um, what did they do that was different? You know, I, I did reflect a little bit. Like, it's it's just kind of really cool for me to think about getting up and getting dressed in the morning and not knowing what I look like and not knowing what anyone else looks like and not really caring. And, you know, it just cuts out kind of a lot of the Mm -hmm. yucky stuff that we all have to sort of muddle our way through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wish you could see Caroline. She's trying to swim swim. through. Yeah, she's doing the breaststroke through the the mic and the table right here, just muddling her way through. (laughs) Through all the layers that we have to see through, you know, Mm -hmm. um... Yeah, and just seeing, like, we got to spend time. So one of the reasons that Mika and I went was to kind of capture video and photo content so that we can tell the story of our students in Africa. And so we just got to be flies on the wall and, like, take pictures of these students as they're learning and teachers as they're teaching. And um, just the tools that they use, I mean, just genius problem solving mm-hmm. and I mean I guess it's like occupational therapy kind of stuff but um like we played connect four with the students and you know there's yellow tile yellow checkers and red checkers and the red ones all had a hole in them mm-hmm. because they can't see the colors but they can feel which ones have holes in them and there's a soccer ball with jingle bells in it and mm-hmm. <laughs> just I mean so many ingenious ways to to help them live their lives and like empower them to live their lives just like any other kid would. And I know that um, they've had incredible success with passing. I mean, the whole education system in Rwanda is different than here in Ecuador or in um, the United States with the number of tests at certain ages that you have to pass in order to go on to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I know at BSVI they've had an incredible pass rate Mm -hmm. for students who would normally kind of be sidelined. too bad you can't see, so you don't get to study, and and that's changed. And they've kind of changed that that culture for all of the the people visually impaired in that area. Yeah, and not only, at least from what I understand, not only you can't see, so you can't study, but um, culturally in Rwanda, from what I understand, it's also looked at as sort of like a curse from God. So like you can't see, therefore you're bad, or therefore your family is bad, or so they're confronting you know, their physical limitation, but also a lot of societal limitations Mm -hmm. that are put on them. And so, you know, it's an education, but it's also, you know, every part of creating a well-rounded child into it, creating them Mm -hmm. into an adult. It's, you know, you, like you said earlier, you matter, you're important, you can do Mm -hmm. anything you want to do. You're not bad. This is just how God made you. And I believe you, it's, when you came back, you talked about how they were teaching you Braille. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Yeah, we were sitting out there at recess, and I was like, what do, what do I do? I don't know. <laughs> and we had whiteboards to, that we were using to take pictures. 
And so I said, okay, how, how do I write Braille? And it was kind of cheating because I was doing it on the whiteboard. It wasn't like the actual raised bumps. Um, but they taught me, you know, there's, I don't know if you're familiar with Braille, but there's six dots and they each have a number. Um, so like for every letter, there's a specific layout of those six dots. And you know that it's that letter because of how the dots are. So I'm And if you could be in the studio with Carolyn right now, you would see her <laughs> like like a six, the six dots on a die for the number six, yeah. two lines of three. Yep. And so various combinations of those six dots will tell you what a letter is. Yes. So don't tell my um, teachers in Rwanda, but I don't remember any of the letters currently, but... For example, maybe the letter A, you would say A, one and three. And that means that there's a dot in the one spot and the dot in the three spot. Mm, okay. And so they taught me all the letters and then they were helping me spell things. <laughs> so like our names. And so I spelled their names and I spelled Rwanda and I, I don't remember what else. But they And they would just thought it was so funny when I would get one wrong. <laughs> like, oh, A, one and four. And they'd say, oh, no. And just as we we talk so much here in Ecuador about giving and receiving mm-hmm. and having the posture of a learner and what it is to, I mean, you could have been like, I don't need to learn Braille, no. But the fact that you're interested in their world and their life and the chance for them to be, be the teachers, mm-hmm. um, could you feel that excitement on on their side? I think so. I At one point I looked up and I couldn't even really see anything other than students teaching me like I couldn't see the sky I, see, I was just surrounded I didn't realize it had become you know like a I needed 12 people to be able to teach me Braille I was a really bad student I guess but um yeah I they I think that brought them a lot of joy and it brought me a lot of joy and I think one thing that became apparent to me in all three countries in Africa is that it's important you know, like Jesus met us where we were and you can do that in a variety of ways, but like language is one of those ways to, mm-hmm. to just try to speak a little bit of the language or try to get them to teach you, you know, one through 10. Um, or, you know, so Braille, like this is how they communicate and read and write, like, and that's such a valuable tool. And and to get to be, to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? <laughs> you know, like that's a cool spot for someone who maybe doesn't hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. Um, well, after <laughs> Rwanda, you went to anything else you want to say about Rwanda before we wrap that up? I don't think it, I was, I guess I was surprised how much it reminded me of Ecuador. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of altitude and there's like eucalyptus trees and volcanoes and it was like a little bit cooler, which if you know me, you know, I love <laughs> And I was like, Oh, this is like keto. I like it here. (laughs) But I those students have a really special place in my heart. And and I think I don't know if I'll ever go back to Africa, but if I do, I would love to go there. And they're all kind of nudge nudge winking me, like hint hint with maybe our campus will be done in two years. (laughs) So so it's really encouraging. That's their big project is their new campus and they're Mm -hmm. working really hard on it and a lot of wonderful um, donors have come alongside them in that. What a gift. What yeah. a gift. Okay, so then you um, mm-hmm. traveled yet again. We did. <laughs> Sounds like there was a lot of travel time. Lots of planes. Lots of planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and you landed in Uganda. Yeah, we did. Um, so Uganda, we um, also have one partner in Uganda, um, but are exploring other relationships. I think... 
there are two other sites that we unfortunately didn't get to visit just because they were far away. But um, uh, there's so on our way, we landed in a city a little bit outside the airport, and then we drove about five hours to where Uganda Family Spirit is, which is a site that we visited. But um, one of the leaders of one of the other two sites met us at the airport and at the hotel, and so we got to kind of talk with him about his vision, and he has a um, ministry kind of similar to Doors of Hope in Kenya, where he's just taken in children, and Mm -hmm. it's really just him. (laughs) He's engaged currently. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I said, wow, so you're engaged to a woman who's going to come move in with you and your 30 children, and he's like, yep. (laughs) I said, okay. (laughs) um, It occurs to me um, that this sounds like such a such a uniquely um, Ugandan or Rwandan or Kenyan issue. Like there are these children and they open homes and they mm-hmm. just take them in. And it occurs to me that that actually happens in the U.S., mm-hmm. but it's called gangs. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's called um, in the inner cities, there are kids in the same situation that they've lost their parents or their parents are not functional Mm -hmm. and they are looking for a place to be. And it, I just say that because it seems like, oh gosh, so far away, like, oh, this man's taking in these kids, but that Mm -hmm. happens. If we have eyes to see and ears to ear, that happens around us as well um, in different way. And, and so much of it has to do with resource, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in the U.S., there are more public resources, so kids get into the foster system. Mm-hmm. But the, that's big for financial. It's just occurring to me the parallels that mm-hmm. hadn't ever really occurred to me. Like, why do I hear about these things happening in different parts on the African continent, and I don't hear about them? Well, you you do. They're just they just have different vocabulary. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, and here in Ecuador too. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so back to the happiness of yeah, him ma- <laughs> having a, uh, a fiancé who's excited to move into yeah. a house with 30 kids. I think, I don't know what I would say in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so we so there are more there is more than one site in Uganda, but we, we just visited one of them. And so we got in the vans again and <laughs> traveled out um, to Uganda Family Spirit and uh, if anyone who was on the team with me is listening, I'm sure you'll remember the speed bumps. It was like drive bump, drive bump, drive bump for about five hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was, it was memorable. Um, yeah, so Uganda, fam- Uganda Family Spirit is um, a home. I had been calling it a school before I visited, and um, Isaac and Susan, who are the directors there, gently said, no, we're, we're a home, and we also happen to be a school. Mm-hmm. And so I was glad that they kind of corrected me on that. Um, and I think that kind of describes how they see their ministry. Like, we're a home and a family, and we do all these things, mm-hmm. um, like educate the kids. And so... Isaac and Susan are both HIV positive, um, and they're, it's very under control. They actually have children who are HIV negative, which mm-hmm. they were very proud of and excited oh. to share with us. Of their own, their own blood children that yeah. are HIV negative. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not an expert, but the way I understand it is if you're on the medicine and it's under control that you can have biological children and oh, wow. they can be negative. And so, you can neutralize the virus in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Isaac was really proud of that, that, that they were able to, to do that. Um, and so live, coming from that experience, um, 
some of the children who live in the home and go to the school, it's all one campus, um, are also HIV positive and, and some of them are not. Um, and these are orphans. <clears throat> Some of them are orphans and some of them are not. not yeah. Okay. So, so I had, I had a lot of these, I'd heard things about Uganda family mm-hmm. spirit before I got there. And, um, again, it was just wonderful to be there to ask these questions and hear it from their own word, you know, mm-hmm. mouths and hearts and brains about why they do what they do and what they do. Um, so a lot of them are orphans. Some of them are refugees. Um, like their parents live in a refugee camp nearby. And so they live at the, at the home and go to the school. Um, one thing I didn't realize before I was in Africa is that a lot, if not all, um, most high schools are boarding schools. Mm-hmm. So that's different from kind of how I grew up or how it is here in Ecuador. Um, and so sending your kids off to live at a school is kind of a normal feeling thing mm-hmm. for a lot of people in Africa. So I didn't have that context <laughs> before I was there. Um, But yeah, and so, you know, same kind of thing. We just felt like such honored guests everywhere we went. And we got there and the kids all came into this kind of covered pavilion, open air pavilion. And the seniors danced for us. And um, a couple of kids stood up and said kind words and said Mm. thank you. And, um, And then they, you know, took us by the hand and showed us around. Um... It's that that home and school um, is a little bit humbler than some of the other sites that we visited. Um, you know, some of the beds have mosquito nets and some don't. And so I think, you know, you we walked in and were greeted by these joyful children, and then they should, showed, hey, "Let me show you my bed where I sleep." And it was like, "Oh wow, okay, this is <laughs> this is all this is where you sleep. This is all you have that's yours, right? The, my bed. This is my my bed. Yeah. So." And I think some of them share beds. Maybe so. There were a lot more kids than there were beds, but I don't know. I, some of them are not residential students, mm. so I don't know how I remember um, over the last year we have been able to, as equals H, um, we had a donor, donor mm-hmm. uh, since the last time Celeste was there, uh, provide new mattresses yeah. for all of the beds um, and get, get some of those bed bugs and urine stained or smelled or rotting mattresses out and new mattresses, so... Yeah, yeah, and we got to see those. They're there. They're using them. They're they're proud of them. Um, yeah, and you know, it's there's kids of all ages there. The little 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 kids, <laughs> and all the way up into. Um, I spent a good amount of time with some of the seniors who are about to move on to the next level of school, um, and so you know they're living there, and a lot of the mattresses are hanging out to dry because the kids have wet the bed during the night and. Mm. It's just mm-hmm. kind of the reality of, of their situation. And so um, it, that was a really, <laughs> it was a hard thing to see, but it was, it was wonderful. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was, um, for some of our team, it was really difficult to, to walk into that situation. And it was hard for me too. I think, um, you know, just because of some of the situations we see here in mm-hmm. Ecuador, it didn't it didn't feel like the first time I had seen something like that. So mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a image or preparation in my head. But it, I mean, it was they're living in a rough physical situation. They, they would be able to check the desperate or and or difficult they would, situation. They would check that box. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But that we got to go we got to go there for two days in a row. I, actually, Meek and Celeste and I got to spend three some of three days in a row there 
And so I felt like I got to, you know, go back and see the girls again. And mm. um, they braided my hair <laughs> in cornrows. And wow. they started the first day. And I said, okay, I'll leave it because I thought we were going back that afternoon. And then we didn't. Oh. And so then they had to start again. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think definitely something I'll remember from Uganda and just Africa in general is just little hands, you know, all over me. Like, just very, it's just that, that is, I think tactile, how they show love. Yeah. A tactile culture. Yeah. And, 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 and the love that goes with it. Yeah. As you, is it at all possible <laughs> to, to have a takeaway from the, from the whole time, um, all of those different ministry sites that you've just mentioned and in mm-hmm. this podcast, um, uh, in Rwanda and Uganda particularly, what is what is something that has marked your life or God was teaching you through that experience? A lot of things. <laughs> I think some that I've mentioned already, you know, like trying to kind of have the position of a learner and meet people where they are um, is definitely one. Another one, I think we've touched on this as well, but, you know, that we're people all over the world are more similar than we are different. Um, joy looks the same no matter what country you're in and poverty looks pretty similar no matter mm-hmm. what country you're in. And, um, yeah, just, I, I was struck over and over again by, wow, this is, this feels familiar. This feels similar rather than, wow, this is really different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, too, you know, just on kind of a more logistical note, like Jorjito and Cameron and I all host teams a lot here in Ecuador. And it had been a while, almost 10 years, actually, since I had been on a team as a participant. <laughs> so it was a very good reminder, you know, how hard it is to be in a place where you don't speak the language and somewhere you've never been before and you don't know what to picture when you walk into the church or, or something like that. And so it just gave me a lot more empathy for um, the team participants who come here to Ecuador, who, who have a lot of those same feelings. Like, what am I doing here? What have I gotten myself into? That, that reminds me of the Bible study that you and I um, have done recently of the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Like, yeah. That we are called to remember and to serve the alien, the orphan, and the widow. And being the alien, being the one that's mm-hmm. not in your home culture, or your home context, mm-hmm. um, it it wakes you up and shakes you up in ways that aren't very comfortable and being met with generosity and hospitality and Mm -hmm. being met in the love of Christ in the middle of that situation. It just, when you are that alien, it impacts you. Mm -hmm. And then it's a call for you to continue to do that um, over and over and over again to remember and not forget and to remember and not forget. Yeah. Yeah, I hope everyone gets to have that experience. I, I also just want to say I'm really grateful um, to Education Equals Hope for, for sending me. I, I mean, I was kind of on the fence about whether I even could or wanted to go, and it was just it was an incredible experience. And, I mean, mostly just the, the kids that we got to hang out with that we will remember forever. And, it, and it, I don't know if I'll get to go back or not, but it feels, like, almost wrong not to, you know? Like, we mm-hmm. got to meet these wonderful people, and it's like – how do I still get to be part of your life? <laughs> so I'm just really grateful for the, for the opportunity. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking your time to share with us and with our listeners um, that firsthand experience. Um, and again, if you would like to support students in Rwanda at the Blessing School for the Visually Impaired or students at the Uganda Family Spirit uh, Home, <laughs> I was almost said orphanage because <laughs> back in the day, I think it used to be called mm-hmm. an orphanage, but now it is a home mm-hmm. um, that has a school and cares for orphans. Go to educationalshope.org. Um, again, navigate the where we are page to the country that you would like to support. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't do any of the amazing things that we get to be a part of without your support and you're making that financially possible. So thanks so much for that. Thanks so much for being with us and thanks so much for caring about these people that we care about. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Jorjito. And we'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our Hopecast. If you want to join the mission or know more about it, please visit our webpage www.educationequalshope.org or check our YouTube channel and Instagram with the same name.